Hi and welcome to Ace Martial Arts Interviews, I'm Hayes Daywood. In this episode I'm speaking with Will Sulos. Will has been a martial artist for over 40 years, training and competing in Taekwondo, boxing and kickboxing. Today, Will is one of Australia's leading boxing referees and judges. Will shares with me his martial arts journey and some insights into the world of refereeing and judging. Please enjoy my chat with Will Sulos. Okay, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to Ace Martial Arts Interviews. Will Sulos, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, going really good, Ace. Going really good, buddy. And for those that don't know, Will is one of my mentors, one of my old coaches in boxing and martial arts. So it's, been, it's a pleasure, mate, to have you on online. Yeah, one of your very old ones. <laughs> very old. So, Will, a lot of people might recognize you um, as the real estate agent in the Shire. You work for McGrath. Mm-hmm. You've been an agent for years. A lot of people mm-hmm. that might be watching have no idea, but you've been a lifetime martial artist and boxer. What first yeah. sparked your interest, interest in martial arts and boxing? Oh, first sparked the interest. Well, I got into, I got in, actually started lifting some weights because I was a skinny kid. So I started doing some weightlifting, funnily enough, in the garage at my mum and dad's place when I was like 13, 14. Um, Progress started doing some weight training down at the old South Juniors. Because, you know, born and bred Eastern Suburbs boy, but now down in the Shire. Um, So, yeah, got into the weights and, you know, sort of got some size on, that sort of thing, but really didn't feel like it was fulfilling enough. Uh, felt like I, I maybe got too big and really couldn't move too well. And one of the boys that I was doing some training with was an ex-professional boxer. Ah. So we started to do a little bit of moving and that sort of thing. And, I, you know, I just really started to enjoy it. How old were you then? Uh, I was actually fairly old, to be perfectly honest. I was like 20-odd. Oh, you were a late starter. Yeah, late starter. You're kidding. Late starter, which, which may give away my age now. <laughs> oh, we'll work it out as the uh, interview goes on. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. So, yeah, so that's, that's basically what it was. So I really started with a, a little bit of boxing out the back of the, the gym at South Juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I met a gentleman who was one of my mentors. So a gentleman named Terry Lai, who was a Taekwondo instructor. Mm-hmm. But he's also um, you know, a doctor, um, very, very smart, very um, intelligent man. So I started then doing some Taekwondo with wow. Terry. Um, you know, progressed sort of, you know, black belt, second dad, that, all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, so you, you went up but to the again, black belt? Wow. Yeah, I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know that. There. You didn't? No, I had there no idea. Go. But all the time, I mean, Terry was very much into a freestyle martial arts and, and wanted to, you know, he wanted to learn how to box a little bit. And he wanted to learn from different styles, which is probably what attracted me to, to working with him in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he was ahead of his time because, sorry, but back in those days, yeah. it was really just you stick to your style and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you probably could say that. But, again, like, like I say, he's he a smart man mm-hmm. and probably saw that no one style had everything. Mm-hmm. And you can always learn 
Um, and, and that's one of the things that I did. A lot of the guys that I was involved with were from Zendo Kai Karate. Okay. Um, that you, you would obviously know a lot of the uh, Melbourne-based boys. That's right. The Firefields, the Zacharias, yeah, Bob Jones. Firefields, yeah. Zacks, all of those guys. So, um, you know, I continued to train with all of those guys. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, like the, the Gary Pedersons, um, Steve Firefield, um, you know, all those guys. So continued training with them at the same time as working with Terry and, and working through the, um, you know, the, the training program to get to black belt and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a guy that used to train Zendo Kai, a guy named Mark Griffiths, who was a real good mate of mine. Yeah. And he actually came along to the black belt grading for my Taekwondo. Oh, there you go. And supporting oh, yeah, you. Nice. Fantastic. So yeah. you had that relationship yeah. with the Zendukai freestylers from Victoria, yeah. Taekwondo yeah. in Sydney. You did some boxing. So you were living really yeah. as a freestylist. You did yeah. your black belt in Taekwondo. And how long did you stay in Taekwondo before you took the next step? Probably about three years. Mm -hmm. All up. So I actually, actually got my black belt inside of two years. Stayed, went through to um, second degree. Again, as I say, continued training with the Zendokai boys as well. Um, and they had a very different and, approach, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. And, you know, it was great. Like some of the stuff that some of the training I did with Gary Pedersen, for example, and, and Griffo, mm. a couple of, the, of those other guys was, was awesome, unbelievable stuff. So, you know, from there, I sort of progressed into looking for a little bit more and, yep. and therefore moved into the full contact side of things. Okay. So I started kickboxing. Yeah. Mm. So um, Gary Pedersen actually did my corner from the very first fight. Oh, wow. And was that before leg kicks or uh, before the rule? Was that kicking before above the waist? Before leg kicks, yeah. It was kicking all above the I waist. Think, I think you actually had to make a set. I think it was eight kicks above the waist. In a really? round. Wow. Yeah, so they had a they had a, each corner had a kick counter with a little card. That's amazing. It was hilarious. Yeah. And well, was that was that a tricky thing to do? Or no, you just got the kicks out of the way immediately and started punching on? Um Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Again, like it's it was very, very early days of kickboxing in, in you know, I'm, I'm talking in the eighties. Wow. So wow. very early days. Um and not many of the, the guys, they're all sort of coming from more of a traditional martial arts background. Mm -hmm. And none of them were really doing any boxing. Wow. So I felt the fact that I'd been doing some boxing, I thought, well, I may have an advantage here. So it might be an idea to get these kicks out of the way and then get in and get on top of them. And you obviously did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And from there, the fights, when the leg kicks were introduced, did you uh, continue to compete? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. But not for long, not for long. Poor old body gave up. And when were you first introduced to Mick Spinks? After that first fight. Oh, that soon. Funnily enough, yeah, that soon. That soon. I, um, I was gearing up for, for another one and... and Something happened where an opponent pulled the pin or something. I actually got talking to June Chan. Yes. Chan Chuck Faye's wife. Yeah. So 
you know, and, and just in that conversation, she suggested to me that I should maybe catch up with um, Spinks. You have a chat to him about training down at um, Double Dragon. That's amazing. So moved down there and, yeah, really, again, I, I consider Spinksy another one of my mentors and great mates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was after that first fight that I then moved over and started training full-time with um, Spinksy. So from the 80s and to Wayne to now. Bridge, all those guys, yeah, it was, it was a good gym. Some, some big names. The Bomber Barker was, uh, mm-hmm. was finding yeah. his feet in his career as well. Mate, Ian Schaffer, you know, there's so many different guys that came through that gym yeah, yeah. at that time that yeah. were you know, top-end, real top-end fighters. I remember when I, I first started training with you, you were running the boxing class at Double Dragon, mm-hmm. and I used to watch it for years. And then the catalyst for me is when I tore my hammy. And I had no choice. I had to stop kicking. Mm. But it was the best thing that happened because a lot of my style at the time was very kick dominant. And I used mm-hmm. to struggle sparring some of the fighters because they used to just wait for me to kick and punch the shit out of me. And then I joined your class. Joined your class. I was banned from kicking for a year effectively because of the bad hemi. Yeah. And it was just a rebirth. I learned how to use my hands. Yeah, and it changed my game completely. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And I learned so many things. For example, to move your head so you don't get hit. That was mm-hmm. huge. Instead of just being stationary and relying on the one weapon. Mm-hmm. Was it similar for you going from Taekwondo or because you did the boxing in the early days that sort of complemented it? Yeah, it did. Absolutely. But the other thing I used to do was study, again, this is how far back we're going, videotapes. So I used to start, I used to get videotapes of of guys like Sugar Ray Leonard, um, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, the golden era, I think, of boxing really back then in the the 80s, guys like that. And then you you watch some of the older uh, videos too, like, you know, your Sugar Ray Robinson and these sorts of guys. And like they were real artists in the ring. And it was just beautiful to be able to watch that sort of stuff. And, and you, you, then you go into the gym yourself and you try and emulate what they've been doing or what you've seen them doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, try and make it work for you and therefore work as part of your own style. But, you know, you, you're really looking to do, okay, well, these guys are moving their heads so they don't get hit. What a good idea. So where did you get that from, Will? Because you were an amazing head mover. You you just never you were never still bobbing and weaving throughout the whole bout. Was there a fighter you modelled that from? Um, you were very slippery in there when we did Ray some sparring. Okay. Ray Leonard. Yeah, I, I remember one particular fight where I saw him stand in front of an opponent with his hands down on his thighs, <laughs> in range, and not get hit. Wow. And that was just bobbing and weaving, standing in front of his opponent. And I thought, well, okay, well, let's have a look and see if we can do something like that, see if uh-huh. we, can, we can get that sort of thing happening. So, you know, I, I mean, let's be honest. Getting hit isn't fun. No. It does hurt. You know, you're going in there and you know you're going to get hit, but, you know, let's minimise it. So how yeah, many fights is. did you end up having, Will? Oh, God. Oh, 20s, somewhere in the 20s, mate. Oh, wow. 
That's a lot of fighting. Yeah, and somewhere in the 20s. I, I can't really remember. It's that long ago. That's that long ago. We'll, we'll get to your age soon. How, ha how has the martial arts training improved and impacted your life? Um, mate, I, I think the discipline that you, you know, you, it takes a lot of discipline to not just do your martial arts, but also to fight competitively. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but at the same time, I think, you know, the, the more traditional martial arts teachers want a lot of humility yeah. and respect and those sorts of things. And, and you know, they're, they're good characteristics to take right through your life. Yeah. You know, a good solid work ethic, for example, is a, you know, obviously a good characteristic to take into your work and business career. Um, determination to succeed. Yeah. But at the same time, you, you should always remain humble and respectful. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, you mentioned the age, you started in your 20s. It just shows that mm. you're never too old to start. A lot of people assume that never. you need to be a, a, a kid and be a lifelong martial artist from toddler to adult, 20s, people, even um, people start in their 30s and 40s and you can still become very good. Yeah, absolutely right. You bet you can. But again, it just takes hard work. So discipline and hard work. And you as a real estate agent, you run your own business through the McGrath network. Mm -hmm. um, you find that you can, you, you can draw on your experience and discipline from martial arts and boxing and apply into the workforce. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's not an easy game. A lot of people look at a real estate agent standing at an open house and think, Oh, this is easy. Yeah. But they don't understand the groundwork that goes into all of that and actually developing the business yeah. and, and working your way through it and the hours and hours and hours and countless phone calls and, and all the rest of it that, um, that produces that listing that you get to go and stand on the front door at. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're also a referee and judge in professional mm -hmm. boxing. And many watching this may recognize you from being in the best spot in that whole arena, <laughs> in the middle it, of the ring. It is a good spot. Yeah, it's, it is a good what, spot. What got you into refereeing? Uh, well, when I retired, um, after I had my last fight, you know, it's one of those things. You, any, any athlete is going to tell you that there's a, a void. Something's missing. Yeah. So, you know, I thought, well, I want to stay involved in the sport. And I actually started as a kickboxing ref. Aha, uh -huh. there you go. So, you know, some of the, like, uh, um, I remember I've refereed Grant Barker and, and Stan the Man. Wow, that are um, two massive, massive uh, yeah. names in kickboxing, heavyweight kickboxing, yeah. yeah. Guys like Alex Tui in the old days and... Oh, Paul Grimer. If you remember Paul. Yeah, the so Pitbull. All these guys. Yeah, the Pitbull. So I refereed all of those guys. So it was kickboxing. For, what's it like for you go, refereeing someone that was a training buddy of yours? Deep down um, in the ring, are you cheering him on? You have to be. Or you switch into a different zone. You just... You, you, you do switch into a different zone because you, you do obviously have to referee what you see in front of you. Yeah. And if one of my, my old gym mates or sparring partners did something under the wall or wrong, then you've got to pull them up and you've got to chip them. Yeah. 
I don't think I ever got to a point where I had to take a point though. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one ever pushed the envelope quite that far. So kickboxing referee and then you um, went to amateurs first for boxing or straight into the pros? No, 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 straight to the pros, straight to the pros. Oh, well, right. kickboxing and boxing were all, and, and even today, it's all under the um, combat sports. Okay, great. Back in the old days, it was called sport and rec, right? So government department, they, they oversaw everything. And I'd actually had a, a situation where I had a run-in one evening after a kickboxing show mm-hmm. with one of the trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got a little bit ugly. Ooh. And I just thought to myself, well, you know what? I don't need this. Don't need this crap. Um, you know, I've got a business to run Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to have aggro at a, at a kickboxing fight night and, you know, get into an argument, get into, get into a fight myself with some idiot trainer and then turn up on Monday going to appointments um, marked up. Nice. So I thought just, you know what, I'm over it. I'm jack of it. Well, and turned you off it. One of the guys from, from Sport and Rec said, mate, listen, you, you're a great ref. We love what you do. How about you just come across to professional boxing? You won't have to put up with any of that rubbish. So I said, yeah, sweet. I'll you're do kidding. that. You're kidding. You're kidding. So I, I just moved into refing uh, and judging professional boxing from there. So according to my research, over 200 bouts in professional mm-hmm. boxing. That's a lot of bouts, mate. Yeah. So you're closer than anyone will ever get to, yeah. a, to a fight other than fighting. Can mm-hmm. you share a few of the fights in all those fights that stand out for you? You know what? There's, it's interesting. The ones that really stand out for me are not so much the big name fights. Oh, wow. You know, so I've, I've refereed Mundine, um, you know, some of these guys, but they're not the fights that stand out. Okay. Um, there was a fight last year. So it was the week after Paul Gallen and Barry Hall had fought. Right. Okay. So the, all the hype and all the, all the money and everything around those guys. And the fight itself was a shocker, in my opinion. Just on that, was the result fair? Oh, it's always very difficult to tell when you're watching it on TV okay. versus being there. Right. So you get a different perspective when you're there. So it's hard for you to make watching a... Watching something on TV. So it is very hard to make okay. a, fair a call on that. Yeah. But the following week, I refereed a couple of young junior middleweights, one boy from Melbourne and another young bloke from Sydney. And mate, they went 10 rounds and gave it to each other. <laughs> and honestly, it was a great, like, you know, the crowd showered them with money after the fight. It was You're just kidding. sensational. And, you know, these blokes would have made nothing compared to what Paul and Gallon made. And I thought, well, you know, it's just... It's just the way it is, isn't it? What's Unfortunately, your... there's big names and hype versus these young blokes who no one really knows, but they're in there and they gave it 100% and they put on a sensational show for the crowd that was there. 
Okay, so it's not always the big name fights that stand out for you. It could be just no, a couple of young always. guys, and they and they and they yeah, they have a good crack Absolutely. at it. Absolutely, yep. And I'll tell you another kid that I thought was really um, talented was Bill Alakaway. Yes, I remember you mentioned. And I refereed him. him. I refereed him early. I remember um, that. Yeah. And I, I I just came away from that thinking to myself like this kid hits like a bus. It was um, it was amazing to watch his journey, and unfortunately, it's on mm. hold ever since that world title fight. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So, do you think he was put in a bit too early? <sighs> like, who are we to say? I think he, I, yeah, it's it's always really hard to say. Um, yeah. You know, he came up against a, a you know well seasoned, very skilled opponent uh, who found some holes in in his defence. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. He's 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 probably a little bit upright. Um, doesn't move. Doesn't move his head. Um, so you know that's just an area of his game that he'll he'll work on from there. He'll learn from that. He'll work on it, and then he'll he'll um, come back from it. Boy, he can hit. I remember in those early fights, he was knock. He was a he's a he was a boy knocking out men. Oh yeah, it, like I, I said, mate. He, he honestly hits that hard. I was at one of his first fights, and you were there, and you said, "Watch this Bilal kid hit," and it didn't go the past half the first round. No, it was like one of those no. old Tyson videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big wow. hitter. But again, it, it also his his last fight and his defeat shows you that mm -hmm. you know you need more in your armory. Absolutely, than just especially on the world stage. Absolutely. Look, he's a he's great. I hope he comes back. I really enjoyed watching him. And oh, he'll he'll come back, mate. He'll come back. And anyone that loves boxing, I saw him, can um, him up. I saw him late late at one of the Tim Zoo shows. Yeah, late last year. Yeah, he, mate. He's he's just you know, he took a little bit of a break, and he's just starting to get back into his training and everything. So he'll be fine. Any other Aussie boxers that uh, you got your eye on that you've seen um, from? Um, what, you mentioned Tim Zoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's come a long I'm way. Just interested to see how he how he goes and how he comes along mm -hmm. from here. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those. It's always difficult when you carry that name. He's got to he's got to make his own way. He's got to make his own name. He's he's got to come out from that shadow, I suppose. Yeah. And he he does look to be improving with each fight. Um, he's getting a little bit more tactical with each fight. He's got a good corner. He's got good people working yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's early in the piece. He was a headhunter. He's now starting to develop a little bit of body work. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really interested to see how he, how he comes along. Yeah. Um, you know, Georgie Cambosis, the Maloney boys. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah, yeah, really good. So there's a few of them out there that I think uh, can make a mark on the world stage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with Tim Zhu, I think he's progressing really well. Um, he's, like I said before, he's, he's got good people in his corner. He's got good people he's working with. Mm. Um, he, he does look to be improving with each outing. Actually, um, a, another good friend of ours, Dave Barker. Dave, legend, yes. Yeah. So... For the last fight when he fought young Jack Brubaker, yep. um, Dave had been brought into the camp to start doing a little bit of strength work. 
with uh, with Timmet. It, it looks really did look like it um, it was paying some dividends. It did look that little bit more powerful. Um, so I think that's that's going to help him as well. What he, per- apparently, perfect. from what Dave was saying, he hadn't been doing any. Yeah, well, look, there's still many boxers and combat mm. athletes that don't do proper strength training. Yeah, that's crazy. They're still doing the old school run every day for 10Ks. No, 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 no. I don't, you know what, this is one of the things, when I, when I go back and, and just talk about what I did in the early days, mm-hmm. this is one of the, one of the reasons. When I, that, the very first mentor of mine, Terry, Terry Lai, um, he designed a sports science type course. Oh, back then? Yeah, way back then. So I actually went and studied that with him at... Um, oh, there you go. In, in at, um, you heard it here UTS. on Heath's interview, sports yeah. science study. In at UTS. That's so I, I did, mate. I did. I, I just thought it was important if I was going to fight and I was going to devote myself to being an athlete at the time, then I needed to understand what I was doing and how I could maybe change the training up. And, and you know, we got into sprint work and, and interval training and, yes. you know, what they probably call hit training these days. But, you know, we did 400s. We did, um, you know, if we're going for a, a road run, for example, we'd do telegraph poles mm-hmm. where you'd sprint one, jog one, sprint one, jog one, that mm-hmm. type of thing, just to change it all up. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, that's – and weight – work was always a part of my training oh that's fantastic and it's still so taboo for many combat athletes it's when i was speaking to shannon green in the the last interview mm. he said look they're not training to be bodybuilders just some basic strength trainings and yeah and absolutely and we've also done some research in our company at australian combat and exercise mm-hmm. and we've shown the links between strength training done correctly in the increase in punching and kicking power, the reduction Absolutely of injuries. Right. So yeah. look, yeah. it will happen, but they, they still love to run. <laughs> Just yeah. run every day. But again, you don't, you don't need to run that far. No. You, need to, you need to up the intensity and back it off. Up the Because yeah. that's what happens in a fight. Mm-hmm. The intensity goes up, then you'll back off and you'll move away and you'll you know move around the ring a little bit. You'll get yourself some recovery and then you'll get back into it. Intensity will go up and then you'll back off again. How many so times do you, you see... You need to a, train like that. Do you see a fighter? And they all jump in fit and they all train, but they crash mm-hmm. in the fight. You can see them. They start off really well and they hit that wall early. Yep. I honestly believe that comes from probably overtraining, not enough recovery days, not yep. eating properly. That when I you're think in that you're better off. Sorry, mate. I think you're better off going in under underdone slightly than overdone. You got if you're underdone very very slightly, you will be able to call on reserves and your mental toughness. Yeah. If you are overdone, you, the mental the like the reserves aren't there. Yeah. And you're gonna you're going to be mentally fatigued as well. Um, and, and that, you know, that could have a lot to do. I think also with a lot of guys, they get in there and they maybe nerves gets the better of them. Because mm-hmm. they get nervous energy, burn a lot of nervous energy and, you know, they, they get in there and all of a sudden they, they go maybe a little bit too hard too early, mm-hmm. don't warm up properly, don't warm into it. And all of a sudden, lactate build up, they're gone. Wow. Have you... Um... Have you said, can you read a fighter's face? You're in there pretty close. Yeah. Someone you've seen before, they make 
they might come in looking different. Can you see that in them, the fear or the, the lack of confidence or the fatigue? Not real. Most, most fighters get in there and they put on a pretty good game face. Yeah. But you can tell after a little while and you see them start to get tagged a little bit. And you, you can always tell as a, as a referee and as someone who's, you know, I've been refereeing for 30 years now. Mm-hmm. So for me, I can see it in their eyes if they don't want to be there. Wow. Definitely. And, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll call it. I'll stop it. Will you ask the fighter? Do you want me to stop it? Have you asked that before? I always ask them if they're okay and they want to continue. Uh-huh. Wow. Never ask them, do you want me to stop it? But are you and, okay to continue? And how important and is that for A lot you? of them will say yes, and they're not really okay. And, and that's, again, up to me. That's my judgment. I've got to be able to make that judgment call as to whether a guy's taken a bad enough shot and hasn't recovered enough and, you know, he's, I'm going, if I let it go on... I'm letting him walk into more damage. Uh So for those that aren't familiar with the scoring system, what are you looking for Mm. as a judge and referee? Are you looking at the punches landed, the punches thrown, who's the aggressor, the quality of the punch? What would you say you look at the most when you're trying to score around? Because lots of people are just watching boxing and they look at it as, oh, he's punching more. He should have won the fight Mm -hmm. or he -hmm. hits harder. Can you just give us a quick mini short course on what you look for? Yep. Effectiveness. 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 Ah. So, um, you know, you might have a have one guy out there who's got a lovely jab and the rest of it, and but he's maybe he's a little bit pillow fisted. Really, you know, wouldn't wouldn't knock your grandmother off a rocking chair. <laughs> All right. So, you know, they're out there. And the other guy comes in and you know he's a little bit of a bomber he may not be as technically good but Mm -hmm. is a bit of a bomber and and you can just see that each time he hits it has a greater effect so he might throw less punches but they may well do ah yeah he may well do but they are more effective so that punch box calculator that they pull up is really it means nothing to a judge no, means nothing. You know, and unless, of course, you're, you're looking at a bloke who, who hits another guy 10 to 1. Okay. Different well, story. Yeah, but, yeah, right, you know, if, right. if we're talking about a, a minimal difference in punch volume, but we're talking about a marked difference in punching power and effectiveness, mm-hmm. then, yeah. Uh, I suppose it comes down to if you, you look at it and you say, well, they're fairly evenly matched in that respect, and you've got you always got to try and find a winner of it. You don't want to score too many even rounds. You've yeah. always got to try and find something that differentiates. Because again, you're looking to find the more effective or the winner of the contest. Are you a fan of draws? No. Yes, I've heard a few referees say that they they refuse to. No, not some a, I'm them. not a fan. You, you know, you, sometimes it's unavoidable because. Sometimes well, do you, you score a draw? You see well, you... a couple of guys go flat out, and you you look at it, and you think, well, how do you split those two? Mm. That was that was a, that was just a sensation around backwards and forwards. Each gave as good as he took. How do you split it? So when so... Triple G fought Canelo for the first fight, mm-hmm. you know th- those fights are so tight. I'd hate to be a judge. Yeah. Oh, so difficult. To like judge. that was a draw, right? Now. Yeah. 
I, I was cheering on the older Triple G, but I was, my bias would have said Triple G because I was going for him. But yeah, honestly, you'd hate to be a judge because yeah, absolutely. I speak and to my again, watching it on TV is versus being there and, and sitting ringside and being below it because you know, you can, you can also hear the shots. So you can, you can tell when something lands heavy versus glancing or so there you go. So someone yeah. like triple G doesn't throw the amount of punches that Canelo throws, but they're probably going to sound a bit He's a different. hitter. He's a hitter. <laughs> He's, a hitter. Uh, He's a hitter. But then again, you know, Canelo's not pillow fisted. No, any stretch. not at all. Wow. He's, and he's, he's a good, he's, he's a class boxer. Beautiful class. boxer. Beautiful to watch. I think he's got the best modern day highlight reel. Beautiful yeah, to watch. Absolutely. You yeah, know, it is. And, and great triple, movement. Yeah. Throws good combinations, um, you know, and throws bombs when he needs to. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to have another fight. Have you heard the a third, a third no, battle? I haven't. So between the two, be a good one. Do you do you separate them? Like obviously you've got a preference for the style, but mm. the first fight, the draw, the controversial draw. Were you happy with that decision? Yeah. You never. Well, again, you always still, like you won't answer. It, yeah. You always want to see a winner, and yeah. and when you when you're not sitting ringside. That's you know, you can't. Comment. Well, that's that's a good lesson for all of us watching on telly. We need to keep that in mind before we lose our mm. <laughs> lose <laughs> the plot. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. great, both amazing boxes, and I'll be happy for watch them again. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever had a word with your colleagues, referees, or judges after it when you've disagreed with their decision? No. Or is that a line you don't cross? No, it's just a line you don't cross because, you know, you, you've got to trust that, you know, and, and there are certainly, like like with fighters, there's top end and there's the lesser ones coming through for the, or the, yeah. the, the less experienced and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if a less experienced ref was to come and ask me for advice or something like that, absolutely, I'll give it. Yeah. But I'm not going to go along there and, and carry on like I'm, I'm, you know, the be all and end all and start telling someone what they should or shouldn't do. I don't think it's right to do that sort of thing. But if they come and ask me, I'm happy to, to discuss for sure, um, you know, w- what goes on in the ring. What's the most difficult aspect of refereeing a professional boxing match? <laughs> most difficult aspect. That is an interesting question. Could it be, do you, do you feel pressured sometimes knowing it's such a, a massive title fight? There's always pressure. Yeah. Always. Particularly when, when you think about it, you're, you're on pay-per-view, for example, it's going worldwide, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. You're the referee. And if you make a glaring error right. in your judgment, um, you know, whatever that might be, or if you miss something, you know, scrutiny you know there's cameras on you there's scrutiny there's replays Um, and yeah there's replays there's all that but on top of that you you worry that if you make a mistake that it is going to impact one of the fighters adversely versus you give them every opportunity so you're really aware that you don't want to make a mistake and 
and adversely affect one or the other. Yeah, yeah. So they're the sorts of things, you know, you, you try and have a conversation with the boys before the fight just to lay down some basic rules as far as how you as a referee like to see them fight. And, you know, I personally don't like to see blokes getting on the inside and hanging on too much. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get on the inside, go to work. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to go to work, get out. Yeah. That's it. Have you ever been hurt in the ring as a referee? No. Okay. No, so you move, you, I remember. I've seen, I've seen oh, a few cool moves in it there. It went close. Yeah, yeah, it went, went close. <laughs> I remember um, Grant Barker was. Oh, no, the heavyweights. Fighting, yeah, oh, the big fellas. And was fighting a Kiwi bloke. And he's, he's hit him with an uppercut. And this bloke's just stood bolt upright. And I saw his eyes roll back in his head. And I thought if Bomber hits him again, drunk. so I've, I've stepped in the middle there to make sure that Bomber didn't hit him again. And he threw and it. He's, he's thrown it and he's collected me. But not, not with his fist, but with his, his bicep. And it's collected me in the head. Well, his bicep was, was that like, big back then. Yeah, I know. I know. But, that's, <laughs> but I, I was just that close oh, wow. to him to stop him tagging this poor bloke again. Um, and yeah, I do remember ending up a little bit of a sore neck out of that. Oh my. But it was Grant, so you can forgive him. Yeah. Oh, you know, he was just there doing his job. That's it, that's it. Who are some of your favourite fighters to watch in modern days? And who are some of your favourite of all time? Boxers. So, mate, I've already spoken about my favourites of all time. My, my absolute favourite, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Marvelous Hagler. Marvin Hagler, loved him. Loved him. Still think he beat Sugar Ray Leonard. Just the fight. That was a Uh, controversial fight back in those days? Very controversial. Yeah, very controversial. Um, And again, I look at it more from the purest perspective. I thought that a lot of the razzle-dazzle from Sugar Ray leading back on the ropes and, and throwing those combinations were very much hitting with the inside or fingers part of the glove versus the knuckle part of the glove. So yeah. therefore, technically not a scoring shot. But, um, you know, there was a lot of hype around it and a lot of hype around Sugar Ray. And I think sometimes judges can be affected by that. Mm-hmm. So really? personally, and again, I wasn't ringside. I'm only going on what I saw yeah. on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think Hagler won that fight. He obviously thinks he did because he, he never set foot in the ring again. Um, I love Tommy Hearns. Um, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, I love watching him fight too. Um, yeah. And for anyone, li- for anyone listening, back, back those times. for anyone listening, they need to YouTube those names because oh, they're the fights are YouTube, If you're going to YouTube, like YouTube Hagler versus Hearns. Oh, it's a classic. And, and Hearns Duran. And, and you were the first Tommy person Hearns to make me watch that him. fight. You were the first person oh. to tell me watch Hagler versus Hearns. And I think I rewatched it multiple times. Yeah. Mate, I, I never get sick of watching that. It's wonderful. But then, you know, we go a couple of decades later and, oh, Castillo and... Is that the Gatti? Ga- I think Gatti? it was Julio's... No, 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 Julio Cesar Chavez, I think, from memory. 
So that was just a 10 round war. Wow. You know, they, they could have fought that in a phone booth. It was awesome. What I'll do, Will, is I'll get those links and when I post this on YouTube, we'll share them with everyone so they can find them yeah. easily. Yeah. Will's yeah, favourite fights. We'll do that. Do you have a favourite kickboxer, mate? Not really, no. Okay. Funnily enough. Funnily enough. Because, again, you know, kickboxing came and sort of went. It never, an was, ma- it never was mainstream. Never. And... Mm. It was, it was there for a short time. There was a, a few of us doing it, but then Muay Thai became the, the mm. more favoured form of, of competition. Most recently and in Australia, yeah. Yeah, and then, then you, you know, that, and that's still obviously there, but then you get the MMA that, um, that came sort of, what was it, early 90s? Did that start to, to take uh, a foothold? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I start yeah, when so I started double dragon in '98. '98, I started in double dragon with the Spinksy, and mm-hmm. for the UFC just sort of started UFC two and three. Yeah. So yeah, yeah but I well, uh, there you go, sort of '90s. And you're not a you're not from previous discussions and coffees. You're not a big fan of the mixed martial arts, considering I'm you're a massive fan. You're a freestyle a martial fan. artist. The actual yeah. sport itself, you're not a fan. Uh, what? Why? Because I think they've lost their way with stand-up. The standard has dropped. I think that, well, the standard of their stand-up. Stand-up, they're striking. So they're kicking and punching, they're striking, yeah. Um, You're generally watching blokes who are just swinging from the bleachers. Okay. And looking for the knockout with every shot. Um, And I know it's probably really difficult to to have really good boxing and really good jujitsu and really good wrestling and, and, and all of the disciplines. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's hardly any kicking really. And I don't see anyone really concentrating on good solid leg kicks, mm-hmm. um, which as you know, can be devastating. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a few guys early in the piece. Yeah. Um, you know, GSP, for example. A brilliant martial great. artist. Brilliant loved martial artist. Loved, yeah. loved watching him. Yeah. So I, I could watch him, yeah. But, you know, the modern-day MMA fighter, Adesanya, mm-hmm. is probably the only one that, you know... He, He's he, a very he good striker. He was a kickboxer. He destroyed Whitaker. He was a good, good kickboxer and he's mm-hmm. yeah, a very good standard. And I, I think what you're correct in saying is generally the good strikers are rewarded. They become... Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good in there. You can they stand out like Adesanya, yeah. GSP, even uh, Conor McGregor has got some amazing striking skills. Yep, yep. And, and he's a talented. He's got but strong... then I, I actually was on YouTube just last night and, mm-hmm. and watching one from um, I think it was Nate Diaz. Yeah. In one of his early ones, and it was actually in a boxing ring. So it was over in oh, Japan. Yeah. He's fighting a Japanese player, and you know the, he was getting smashed. But once he got once he got on the deck and from his back, he was able to get him in in a, like a triangle or, or something and choke the bloke out with his legs. It was like you know you can really appreciate the skill and the training that's gone into being able to to manoeuvre someone into that type into of position. Oh, absolutely! It's an amazing art form. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It is. It is. Who are some of your martial arts and boxing influences over the years? Your great influences. 
Well, all the guys I've mentioned so far, yeah. like very early in the piece, um, yeah. Jeff Crow, who was the first bloke to start to teach me a little bit about boxing and, and boxing properly. Um, you know, Jeff was an ex-professional um, lightweight here in Australia and, a very, and still a good mate. Um, you know, Gary Pedersen, Firefield Boys, mm. um, you know, all those guys early in the piece. Terry Lyes, I mentioned, was, you know, a real mentor of mine early. Uh, and then you move through to, to when I got involved at Double Dragon with Spinksy. So Mick Spinks, Wayne Bridge, um, you know, Chanchuk Fay. Yeah, great. Um, great names. These guys. Great so, names. So, yeah. You've got amazing yeah. DNA, mate. Amazing martial arts DNA. Yeah, but you know what? And I, I went and had dinner with, with Spinksy and Bridgie a couple of weeks ago at the pub for a feed. It was great. So all of these people you still maintain communication and contact with. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're people that you respect and, and that you've got a great deal of admiration for and, and I suppose a great deal of love for. Yeah. And you want to stay in touch with them. They're great. And Absolutely. actually... Um, Spinksy is, is godfather to my oldest boy. Oh, there you go. How lovely. There you go. Mm. And wh while we're on that, uh, you're one of my uh, great influence, influences in martial arts and boxing, Will. So, and I thank you for everything you've taught me over the years. And I still oh, take your learnings. And, always a pleasure. And we still have a chat. And, and that's why you're on this podcast. Otherwise, uh, if I didn't like you, you wouldn't be here, mate. Well, but, th <laughs> but thank you. Humbled, humbled, mate, humbled. <laughs> thank you. And it's great to, to know that at your age and you're in your, say it. I'm 61 next month. 61 next month. You yeah. still train. You still look after your health. Six days a week. And you still whack that bag despite well, we, the, the just, injuries. Actually just had just finished a session before we got on. That's, and that's inspiration to know it. 61, you're still doing it, keeping healthy, and you're never too old. Don't kick anymore, though. No, no. no. I've only got a few hips more. Hips and knees. I'm 38. 38, and my kicks are, are fading away. Last uh, question, Will. Last question. Punching or kicking? Punching. Punching. From Taekwondo Boy. Still do it. Still love it. Well, see, now, isn't that interesting? Like, And, and it's funny, Mick was the first one to teach me how to really kick and kick to hurt. Oh, that shin, those shin versus, versus the flashy stuff. <laughs> I love the flashy you stuff. You know what I mean? I still love the flashy oh. kicks. No, no, you've got oh, to get the drive. They're like, great for the movies. You, know, you, want, you want to hit someone in the ribs and double them over. Listen, Seafood Chuck Faye loves the fancy kicks, but we all know how to kick hard, though. We all know how to kick very yeah. hard. Yeah, we have to. All right, so punching. And before we yeah. wrap it up and close it, let's uh, give your business a plug. What do you do? How can people contact you? I'm a real estate agent, mate. So real residential agent. real estate. Well, basically go. anywhere. You know, Sutherland Shire, just across into the St. George area. Um, yeah. And well, just got to look me up online. Easily found. Will Sulos. I've it's even got a, a Facebook page for business. Oh, do you do you really? Oh yeah. You've got your own yeah. fan page. No, I get someone else to look after it. <laughs> I got no idea. <laughs> oh. So someone else posts all the content and everything. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm hopeless. Oh, I'm hopeless. You know, as again, I'm old, so the technology yeah, side of things not great. Oh mate. Well look, as always, <laughs> always lovely to chatting to you, old mate. 
thank you for yes. your time. When and all this um, COVID-19 stuff's over, we're on for a coffee or, or something stronger. Something stronger, I think. Uh, we're going to have stronger, the, we're yeah. gonna have an opening for this new venue behind Actually, yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you let that'll me know a, and I'll be That'll be, be nice. I need, um, need to make sure I give everyone notice and hopefully uh, we can stand within 1.5 metres of each other by then. Within within would be nice, yes. Within would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Will Sulos on Ace Martial Arts Interviews. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Ace. Good night, mate. Love you, buddy. Cheers.